The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So today we come to the ninth of the ten paramis. And um, maybe they are all ten jewels that live inside of us. And sometimes they are inside of us as jewels in the rough. But with practice, they become the roughness, the fades away and and they can shine for us. And then one of those, the ninth one is metta. And metta, is usually, as I said before, is usually translated into English as loving kindness. And sometimes by translating as the word loving, uh, it kind of puts the bar pretty high of what it's supposed to be. And perhaps a word like goodwill or well-wishing is a kind of lower bar and easy, more accessible because it, it, uh, the word loving-kindness kind of implies there's supposed to be love for everyone. And perhaps that's a little bit too high, the expectation, that there can be tremendous goodwill. We will peop- wish people well, gen- uh, generously and honestly. But uh, some people it's maybe hard to feel love or hard to feel, um, you know, loving. Uh, the way they behave, the way they've treated us. Um, sometimes it's just dif- just difficult. I mean, I don't want to justify or not having love, um, but it's just the fact that it's often very hard. And if the expectation is that there has to be love always, that w- then we might not uh, connect to what's a little bit easier, maybe quite easier. It is, it's possible to have goodwill even for people we feel uncomfortable with or even for people we don't like. And um, and rather than feeling ashamed that maybe we feel uncomfortable being with some people or we don't somehow it's challenging for us, uh, we can still tap into our goodwill and well-wishing. Sometimes maybe from a distance. Sometimes it's easier from a distance. Um, and when we're in the presence of someone who's challenging for us, um, maybe we have to kind of protect ourselves, take care of ourselves, or just too complicated. Uh, to have the goodwill always present. Maybe someday you can have goodwill, loving-kindness present, even for situations that are very difficult. Um, But that's something that can build over time. But to set the expectation you're supposed to do that right away um, can just uh, be very discouraging. But goodwill, we can have goodwill for our enemies, goodwill for the people who are angry, angry for us. We don't have to love them. We don't have to invite them for tea. But uh, we can step back and say, I sure wish this person, it goes better for this person. I sure hope this person can have a better life and happier life. And I think some of the way they're behaving is represents the fact that they're unhappy. And I want them to be happy. But, you know, I, that doesn't mean that I have to now... Um, you know, just ooze out with love. So the idea of goodwill and um, for others. So the paramis, um, uh, there's an ancient Theravada Buddhist text about the paramis. It's called the Treatise on Paramis. 
And uh, you can find it in a wonderful website called Access to Insight. It's a, a website of all kinds of Theravada Buddhist texts, including translations of the suttas. And um, Bhikkhu Bodhi has translated this treatise on the paramis. And um, I'm very fond of the sections that talk about loving-kindness or talk about metta. And uh, I just wanted to read some of them to you because I feel that uh, probably some of this, they, they, they really speak to me, inspire me, these passages, and I think they can probably talk about loving-kindness uh, or metta, uh, goodwill, maybe in a more more richer way than I could. So this uh, ancient commentary, maybe from the like the maybe sixth or seventh century, and uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi translates it, and he translated it as loving kindness. So I'm going to keep it that way, even though it's not necessarily the only choice that works for people. Loving kindness is mentioned immediately after determination, because loving kindness perfects the determination to undertake activity for the welfare of others. And just that uh, speaks to me so much. It seems like coming out of this practice that I've done, uh, it just seems like the most natural thing to live a life uh, for the welfare of others. That uh, that has the greatest meaning. And For me personally, I can't imagine living a life based on anything else. I made a choice uh, almost 40 years ago when I became ordained as a Zen priest, that I was going to live a life that was dedicated towards alleviating suffering in the world. Because loving-kindness perfects the determination, so um, loving-kindness is mentioned immediately after determination, because loving-kindness perfects the determination to undertake activity for the welfare of others. B, in order to list list the work of actually providing for the welfare of others right after stating determination to do so. For, quote, one determined upon the requisites of enlightenment abides in loving kindness. And C, because the undertaking of the activity for the welfare of others proceeds imperturbably only when determination is unshakable. So determination to practice, the determination to follow the truth, to be resolved on wisdom, peace, renunciation, and and the truth. Uh, wisdom, truth, renunciation, and peace. It helps the mind become imperturbable, still, steady, unshakable. And then loving kindness can be unshakable too. Loving-kindness has the characteristic of promoting welfare of living beings. So this is where the goodwill is. It's promoting the welfare, even for the people who are our enemies. We want them to be better. Loving-kindness has the characteristic of promoting the welfare of living beings. Its function is to provide for their welfare, or its function is to remove resentment. Its manifestation is kindliness, seeing the agreeable side of beings is its proximate cause. Seeing the agreeable side of beings is its proximate cause. So even uh, people who we have trouble with and challenged by or we don't like, uh, there's a practice of looking upon, looking for what is enjoyable or pleasant or agreeable about them. Don't harp on the challenges only. Uh, it's too easy to kind of have a, see a, have a partial view of people 
And uh, when we're really challenged by someone, sometimes it's useful to expand the view to see what is good about this person. Is there anything at all? The noble qualities of loving kindness should be reflected upon as follows. One resolved upon one's own welfare cannot achieve success in this world um, or, or be or a, a happy rebirth in the life to come without some concern for the welfare of others. So I don't think much about rebirth myself, but don't think about it. But um, uh, this is a powerful idea. When resolved upon one's own welfare cannot achieve success in this world without some concern for the welfare of others. We can't benefit ourselves without some way being concerned about what benefits others, taking care of others. Um, the, um, if you wish to ultimately lead all beings to Nibbana, you should begin by wishing for their mundane success here and now. So if you want people to attain liberation, spiritual liberation, you should also wish them well in the worldly way, that they have a worldly, they're healthy and taken care of and safe and and uh, have enough food and live a basically, uh, you know, healthy life. And then I like this one. One reflects, I cannot provide for the welfare of... I cannot provide for the welfare and happiness of others merely by wishing it. Let me put forth effort to accomplish it. That's quite something. And, quote, um, now I support them by promoting their welfare and happiness. Afterwards, they will be my companions in sharing the Dhamma, the Dharma. So we support and help other people out and one way or the other, they then become our companions. They share, if Dhamma just means goodness or truth, that uh, we're supporting people so that they can come and share with us uh, their goodness or their truth, what's true. Share the Dhamma. And then the, another thought is, uh, these are all ways of developing loving kindness. Quote, without these beings, I could not acquire the requisites of enlightenment, since they are the cause for the manifestation and perfecting of all the Buddha qualities. These beings are for me a supreme field of merit, the incomparable basis for planting wholesome roots, the ultimate ob- object of reverence. I interpret this to be all the beings, especially the ones who are challenging for us, that we need them so we can really develop our own practice, uh, develop the Buddha qualities. This, all the world, all these beings that we live live with, all around us, they are the supreme f- field of merit. They are the people to support and to help and develop. Um, in a sense, uh, this kind of thing, they are, are the field, the fuel for developing ourselves. There's a strong idea that um, um, there's a strong idea uh, that, um, in, I think often for some meditators, that somehow meditation by itself is going to do all that we need in terms of developing in Buddhism. But we need people too. We need to be involved in some kind of contact with other people. 
um, to be concerned with their welfare, bump up against them, uh, be polished by them, get smoothed out by them, be reflected in them, that the world of uh, our social world is such an important part of Buddhist practice that uh, without that, maybe we don't really develop as fully as we need to or can to, in order to attain full awakening. Um, thus, <coughs> one, <coughs> one should arouse an especially strong inclination toward promoting the welfare of all beings. And why should loving-kindness be developed towards all beings? Because it is the foundation for compassion. For when delight, for one delights in providing for the welfare of, for when one delights in providing for the welfare and happiness of other beings, with an unbounded heart, the desire to remove their affliction and suffering becomes powerful and firmly rooted. And compassion is the first of all qualities issuing from Buddhahood, their footing, foundation, root, head, and chief. So if, you're in, if you have basic goodwill, kindness, concern for the welfare of others, then you'll also develop compassion. And compassion is one of the powerful motivating forces for engaging in Buddhist practice. We practice for ourselves to make ourselves a person who is a benefit and help for other people. So here in the ninth parami, uh, there's this powerful call towards having the practice be for the welfare of others. And it's important to remember that it's for the benefit of others, that this is the ninth parami. I have a lot of respect for the slow, steady practice. We practice with what we have, what our needs are, what our situations are. But we know it's good to know that if, we, as we practice sooner or later, and maybe it's later, something will shift in our hearts, and we'll understand that uh, uh, our our practice can only keep developing and growing in the field of the world of people around us, and caring for them, and and having goodwill for them, and for the, and uh, benefiting the world around us, and not just living for ourselves. So here, the ninth, you know, after all these paramis, for verse eight, now we're coming to what's born inside, uh, what gets uh, uh, germinates inside, this powerful forces of loving kindness and compassion. And may it be that for all of us, that as we keep practicing the sprouts of loving kindness and compassion, just keep growing and growing so we can live for the welfare of the world. So thank you very, very much. And I just want to remind you that tomorrow, after at 7.45, uh, we'll have a community meeting for those of you who'd like from the YouTube community. And um, we'll switch to Zoom, and that Zoom information is will be posted on the chat. But it's already on the IMC calendar, and also on the What's New section of IMC's little notice for this community meeting we have. And so if you want to prepare yourself, you can see where the the Zoom link is with the password. And I'll talk about it again tomorrow. Thank you.